Okay. Paradummy gummy puppin. Do you want me to say that again? Paradummy gummy puppin. It's a real thing. You can Google it when you get home. <laughs> On the day before the Normandy invasion that turned the tide in World War II, the Allies used it as a ploy to divert the Germans' attention and firepower, to make them think that the invasion that they knew was coming all along was coming elsewhere other than the Normandy Beach. They airdropped rubber dummies hooked onto parachutes. They were complete with explosives and firecrackers to simulate gunfire and sounds of battle, all for the purpose of drawing German fire. Now I'm gonna ask you guys in the back just to be still please and, and to stop moving around. Thank you very much. As they were dropped by the hundreds, the Germans spent their ammunition on these gummy pumping. They didn't know they were shooting rubber dummies. They thought it was the real thing, and they were missing the real fight. How many of you knew about that? Anybody? Yeah, some of you did. Precious people, we have a gummy puppin airdrop in our midst. It's an issue. Rather, it's a non-issue. To wear a mask or not to wear a mask, that is the issue. To wear masks in public business and gatherings or not. And the elders have asked me to address this because here in our little fellowship that has been so marked for so long by our love for one another, it's in danger of becoming a divisive issue. People have strong opinions. Have you noticed? Anybody? No? Didn't know that, huh? People have strong opinions, and they should, on both sides of the issue. One side can't understand how their view isn't just common sense for everyone. And the other side can't understand why their stand isn't as obviously a no-brainer. And it starts becoming a gummy pumpin', pumpin shootout. Well, I lovingly remind us that we do not behave in the church motivated by our political convictions nor do we operate out of fear. We take the higher road. We seek the counsel of God in his word as led by the spirit. And then we implement church policy in love, forbearing one another, treating one another as better than ourselves, more important than ourselves, upholding each other's dignity and worth. So, Let's just shoot this gummy puppin before it hits the earth, okay? Shall we? The elders and I had an emergency meeting um, on Friday to discuss the current state of the COVID-19 virus and the requirements being laid down by state and local government on what our policy or should or should not reflect from these guidelines. As you know now, um, all of Maricopa County is required to be wearing masks in all public places. All right. Well, we began our meeting with a prolonged time of prayer, recognizing Jesus' lordship over this church, his church, and asking for wisdom as he has promised in James chapter 1. We know that we are fallible, and that there is no one answer that's going to please everyone. So our prayer was, Father, your word being truth, 
What do you say in your word? Are there principles? Are there precepts to guide us? And guess what? There are. Romans 13.1. Let every soul, how many souls? Every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority. There is no authority. How much authority? No authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. If that was true when Nero was on the throne, it's true when Ducey's on the throne. If that was true when Claudius was on the throne, throne it's true when Mayor Artis is on the throne. Are they the final authority? Absolutely not. God is. But since there is no authority except from God and Governor Ducey and Mary, Mary, Mary Artist, I'm sure he'll thank me for that. Since they are appointed by him, then we follow him, them. Is there any time when this would not apply? Absolutely. If and when they contradict what the word of God clearly directs us to do. When it's in clear contradiction to the expression of our faith, then we would stand up and say, no. But is this that time? No, it is not. Romans 13, 12 tells us, the night is far spent and the day is at hand. What day are we talking about, guys? The day of the, of the return of Christ. Therefore, Paul says, let us cast off works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness and lewdness and lust and not in strife. That word means contention, verbal disputes, fighting, quarreling. That is a work of darkness. And the enemy has no greater pleasure to get us fighting amongst ourselves about issues that are non-issues. Romans 13, 14 says, but put on, in other words, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. All right. Well, Colossians 3.12 tells us what his clothes look like. As the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on, in other words, clothe yourself with tender mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, clothe yourself with love which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Doesn't that pretty much speak for itself? Yeah, I think so. I think so. So at the direction of our elders, here's the current policy that we will be implementing this week. Next week, it might change. It might change tomorrow. But currently, our policy, effective Wednesday, June 24th, that's this coming Wednesday, we are requesting all who attend services in person to please wear a mask. And when possible, continue to maintain a physical distance of six feet from one another when not seated. And when seated, please have at least two seats between individuals, families, or groups, okay? An elder of the church will be at the entrance to welcome you and provide a mask if you do not have one. We will update our website, our electronic bulletins, all our social media, in an effort to keep you apprised of what the most current guideline is, so we kindly ask that you check Calvary's website 
in our other social media platforms as often as you can. Again, we're committed to respecting the fluid nature of the situation, which is, and we will continue to update our guidelines accordingly. Your patience, your kindness, your goodness, your gentleness, your faithfulness in this process is much appreciated. Okay? And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, gripes, groans, or moans, see Vince, David, Larry, and if you really want to be confused, see Roy. All right. Let me close with this remark from Ravi Zacharias. I wonder when we stand before God if the most painful moment won't be when we hear of how much time we wasted shooting rubber dummies while the real battle is going on elsewhere expending so much of our firepower in the direction where the real enemy is not. Okay? Those are our marching orders. Let us treat each other with love and wear your mask. Okay? Maybe we should offer a color TV for those who wear the most creative masks. What do you think? Yeah? All right. All right. There you go. That's that. John, we're going to get to you in just a second. Which one? I don't know, I can't tell. This is John. Okay, Philip. <laughs> can't tell the masks. Got it? All right. All right, the young adults will be meeting at the Ape Index. How many of you have been to the Ape Index? Anybody know what the Ape Index is? It is a uh, place where you can climb the walls. I do that at my house, but you can go there and climb the walls and pay them to do it. All right, next Sunday after church, to do some rock climbing. If you're interested, see Thorson. Thorson, stand up, everybody. See Thorson. Okay. Or call the church office and we'll get the info to you. Number two, men's discipleship prayer meeting. Zoom, on Zoom, Tuesday, 6.30 to 7.15. Um, you can get the links to follow on our website or um, just give us, give me your phone number and I'll text you the links, okay? And finally, Wednesday night, we're starting a new series called Get Ready. It's a study of 1 Thessalonians, and the theme there is the second coming of Christ. Honestly, I wish he had come before last Friday, okay? But here they are in the air. We're looking forward to him returning, right? um, That will be online or here in person at 7 p.m. Wednesday nights, okay? All right, next, John, come on up, buddy. Guys, let's give John Varky a hand. Tech, you didn't know this was happening, but now you do. John, tell us, um, first of all, your name. So, my name is John Varky, so you don't know me, so hi. Okay. Eric, say hello to John, please. Yeah, hi, John. All right. All right, John, something interesting is happening in your life. Tell us where you've been the last year as far as your education goes. Um, I've been in my senior year of electrical engineering, and I finished it in April, and so now I... Where at? Where were you? Oh, uh, Grand Canyon University. Okay, and and can you tell us your GPA and... Sure. Yeah, tell us. Uh, So my GPA was a 3.88 when I finally graduated. Yeah. I graduated with a minor in cybersecurity. Okay, now tell us the big news. Um, So I applied to graduate school, and I received admissions to Notre Dame. It's a full ride scholarship with a paid stipend at the end of it. Awesome. Are they going to require you to wear a mask? Okay, no, no, sorry, don't answer that. All right. Um, Roy, would you come on up here? Dave, would you come on up here real quick, please? We're going to pray for John and uh, tell you we're very, very proud of you. We're very honored. Uh, John also is got his master's degree in Awana. All right. And he's been a big part of um, our Awana program here. And we thank you for participating in that. All right. All right. Let's pray. Roy, do you mind, please? Well, Father in heaven, Lord, we just praise your name this morning. We thank you for the many blessings that you've given us, Lord. We thank you for the Varky family, Lord, and that they have um, 
come to bless us with just their their incredible uh, love for you. And we just lift up specifically this morning, we lift up John, Lord. We are proud of the accomplishments that, that he's uh, had already, Lord, and we look forward to what you're going to do with him. Lord, I thank you for his faithfulness to you and uh, just the, the discipline that he's had to, to get this far in his school. I'm reminded of uh, Daniel and his buddies in the book of Daniel when they were John's age. Lord, you, your word says that you made them head and shoulders above their peers as they went to school and were educated in the Babylonian Empire, Lord. And I see you doing that in so many of our young people, Lord, how you have just blessed them with, with wisdom and understanding. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to bless John in that area, Lord. And I pray that you continue to guide him by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. We pray your Spirit would fill him to overflowing. And out of the overflow of the Spirit, Lord, he would minister to everybody around him. And at a at an academic place like Notre Dame, Lord, there's going to be a lot of viewpoints, Lord. I pray that you would just make his light shine. That he wouldn't hide it under a bushel, but he would make it shine. Lord. Thank you for all the scripture that's memorized in his head from Iran. And I pray that you would bring that all out in the power of your spirit. Just lift him up to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Good. All right. Next, we get to celebrate fathers. Eventually, we'll get into the word. But right now, we're going to celebrate fathers. Um, we're going to celebrate fathers as heroes. And before I get started and go any further, I know some of your lives um, were fatherless. Some of your lives were with perhaps abusive fathers of one sort or another. And for that, I tell you, I am deeply grieved because it hasn't stopped. The cycle has not but we want to focus in on the good things of manhood and the good things of fatherhood so that we project a positive image of the institution of fatherhood. I will remind you all that our Father in Heaven is a father to the fatherless and that he is the husband to the husbandless. And he doesn't just say that in a spiritual way. The church is to come alongside you and to fill the roles of helping you with the child rearing and with taking care of your home. Uh, my wife and her brother lost their father when Sherry was only seven years old. And Debbie brought them into the inner city of Phoenix, into the projects, and raised them, but with the help of Bethel Baptist Church. The men, the elders, the women came alongside and were a father to Stephen. And the ladies were mothers and aunts to Sherry, and uh, they turned out almost okay. All right? <laughs> so you are not without resources and love. But for some of us, our fathers are or were our heroes. My dad, although we had our issues with one another, there were times in my life that he was my hero. When I was about 10 years old, uh, we had a little acre ranch, and I got into the stall with a bull. The bull had its horns um, sheared, so that was, that was profitable because he came at me. And he knocked me down, and he would not let me get up. He kept coming at me and coming at me, and I screamed out for help. My dad came running, he had a five pound sledgehammer and he began banging that bull on the skull. Uh, you would think that would get somebody's attention but it did not deter this bull at all. My dad literally wore himself out on that bull till he finally backed off and I could get out. So that was a heroic thing my dad did. Now, I have a clip, are we ready with that Vinny? All right, have a clip for you, please enjoy this. It's only for a couple minutes and then we will move on. Ha! 
<laughs> oh, Daddy! 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 Oh, my God! Daddy! Oh, my God! <laughs> <laughs> Are you getting daddy dressed, Anna? <laughs> Did you fall down at me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can, we can cut it. Thank you. All right. Hand clap for our dads, okay? All right. All right, Vince, are you ready? Are you even here? Let's all stand in honor of God's word, please. Exodus 30, verse 11. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, When you take the census of the children of Israel for their number, then every man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord. When you number them, that there may be no plague, that there may be no plague among them when you number them. This is what everyone among those who are numbered shall give half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary. A shekel is 20 geras. The half shekel shall be an offering to the Lord. Everyone included among those who are numbered from 20 years old and above shall give an offering to the Lord. The rich shall not give more and the poor shall not give less than half a shekel. 
When you give an offering to the Lord to make atonement for yourselves, and you shall take the atonement money of the children of Israel, and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of meeting, that it may be a memorial for the children of Israel before the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. This is the word of God. Shall we pray? Father, first of all, we give you thanks for the oil of your Holy Spirit that David said in Psalm 23 that you anoint our heads with. That oil, we are told that the shepherds would heavily layer the oil on the horns of a ram so that when it butted heads with another ram, they would glance off of one another and there would be no permanent damage. We know that, Father, that we're not always going to agree with one another and that there will be seasons where we will be butting heads. And I thank you, Father, that it does not have to be disastrous that we can be obedient to your spirit and soften our words and ask forgiveness and extend forgiveness, Lord, and not allow ourselves to walk around being hurt. You call us to restoration. So I thank you for that. And I thank you, Father, that during this season, which is interesting in our time of life and our time of the world, that we see these things coming to pass as only as signs of the soon return of your son, Jesus Christ. We know it's setting up uh, things later on that will be used by our adversary, but at the same time, Lord God, it's good for us to know and to keep into mind that your son is returning and that we should love one another. And I thank you, Father, for our fathers. I thank you, Lord, that even though some of our fathers were not stellar, uh, matter of fact, they were far on the other side of that, still you have been our father and you've drawn us to yourself and you've used that pain, you've used that sorrow for your glory and that we have empathy for those, Lord, who are suffering the same way now. We thank you that you will fulfill the fatherhood and the husbandhood, Lord God, to those who are fatherless. And thank you for using the church. Thank you for using us. And finally, Father, we give thanks for your word right now. Help us to make sense of this passage. Help us to see what it is the Spirit wants to show us through it. And may you be honored and glorified by our hearts and attitudes. I pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, you may be seated. What we're looking at in this series of studies in the book of Exodus is is how to powerfully represent our God. As a kingdom of priests, which we are, according to Revelation and 1 Peter, A priest's fundamental role was to do what? Represent who God the Father is to the outside world. And then to represent the world to the Father through intercessory prayer. One of the highest, most privileged callings and duties that we have as Christians. That's a calling that's gone out to all of us. There's no one accepted from it unless you accept yourself. We remember that the priest's role is to represent God and represent the people before God. What kind of people are used of God to powerfully represent him? What kind of people are used of God to powerfully represent the people to him? Well, that's what we're looking at here. Last week, we looked at the role of prayer. Remember, the whole first section of chapter 30 had to do with the altar of incense. And we know that in Revelation that the incense are the prayers of the saints. So it represents to us intercessory prayer. We learned that prayer is a summit meeting in the throne room of the universe. What a high privilege. You are in the war room with God. Prayer is a weapon for spiritual warfare, one writer said. When you pray, there's a clash of arms in the heavenly sphere. 
And then Chuck Swindoll told us that prayer provides unlimited access to the power God longs to give those who serve him. Power. Powerful tool, prayer, in the priest's toolbox. So if we're going to represent God powerfully, we're going to be a priesthood committed to prayer. And secondly, what we're going to see today is that we're going to be a priesthood totally abandoned to the cause of God. We're going to be a grateful workforce, a, a loving workforce, a workforce that's going to reach out with the power of God to people. Now, in this section, we're going to see that God is going to require the priests, um, or actually not the priests, but all young males to, be, to present themselves to be counted for service. If you're going to look, I think it's verse um, 13. It says that... <laughs> I can't find it. Okay, verse 14. Everyone included among those who are numbered from 20 years old and above. Um, these are who are going to be counted in this census that Moses is going to institute. And we're going to find out that those people, those young men, are for the purpose of warfare. Okay. Did you know as a Christian that you are called to warfare? All right. Not amongst each other. Okay. Not amongst the person who's violating your six-foot space at Costco. You're involved in spiritual warfare where you will put on the whole armor of God, Ephesians chapter 6, and you will pray and you will break down strongholds in people's lives. I think if we did that more, we would see more progress in Christianity influencing our nation. You're going to see them pay a memorial tax, uh, $9, a $9 memorial tax. That's not really a lot, is it? And it's to memorialize God's ransom and atonement of them. So let's get into it, okay? Verse 11. The Lord spoke to Moses. This is Yahweh, the becoming one, having a one-on-one -on -one conversation face-to-face -face with Moses. He says, when you take the census of the children of Israel for their number, then every man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord. When you number them, that there may be no plague among them when you number them. This is what everyone among those who are numbered shall give. Half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary. A shekel is 20 geras. The half shekel shall be an offering to the Lord. Everyone included among those who are numbered from 20 years old and above shall give an offering to the Lord. First of all, we notice that this is a census. You know, we, every 10 years in our nation, we have a census. And we are told that this is for the purpose of how to allocate governmental resources, you know, in equity. Equitably. Most of us think it's just, you know, a uh, way just to get more information about us, you know, and make us stock up on more water and canned food for, for later on when they come after us. But I, I'm just kidding, okay? I'm, I'm just kidding. But this is, the, the word census there literally is lift the head. Lift the head. In other words, do a head count. Doing a head count. Not a general head count of all the people, a specific head count, numbering all the males of military age. He found that in verse 14. And every one of these males of fighting age were to give a ransom. Now, you guys know what a ransom is, right? If, uh, ladies, if your husband gets kidnapped, you might receive a ransom note, right? For $20, they'll give you your husband back. And then you give them 25 to keep them, right? No, I, I'm just kidding. Literally, that word is the price of a life. Price of a life. Well, how much was that back then? Well, verse 13 tells that this was a half shekel. Now, a shekel really isn't a coin. It's more of a measurement of weight. And they tell you that the weight is 20 geras, which is related to grain. All right? 
but when you when you you flesh it all out and you map it all out you find out that this half shekel which is probably a silver piece of silver was worth about nine dollars in today's market all right so not very much half an ounce of silver all right now philip Ryken, in his commentary tells us what the scene would look like when this census would be taken he says all the men of israel were to gather in one place as they numbered off one by one they crossed over to the other side moving from the group that hadn't been counted to the group that had and on their way over they paid half a shekel probably made of silver so you can see them all on one side right table in the middle your name is called you come up you drop your shekel in, and then you go stand on the side of everyone who has already been called now, in verse 12, we find out that this is, this is serious business. This is not simply just to raise money, because we're going to learn that this is for the upkeep of the tabernacle. That's just what the money is going to be used for, but that's not the purpose of this. He says that there may be no plague among them when you number them. I don't have the right to walk into your house and number your socks have you ever thought about that? Probably not. No? But if I were invited over to your house and I go into your bedroom and I open the drawers of your dresser and I start counting your socks like they taught me in Sesame Street. One sock. Two socks. I don't have the right to do that, do I? Matter of fact, it'd be kind of weird, wouldn't it? Who has the right to count their socks? The owner of the sock. Likewise, who has the right to count the fighting age men of Israel? God is establishing a principle here. Only he has the right to do that because they are his people. Later on in 2 Samuel, and you don't need to turn there, but you can if you want. David was moved of the Lord to number the people knowing that what was in David's heart, which was pride at the time, and it was something that he wanted to do anyway. Um, and he was also ready at the same time to correct the people who were straying in their hearts and their ways from the Lord. Now, when David came up with this great idea and he told his general Joab, Joab tried to dissuade him because he knew how serious a matter this was. And if you didn't do it, right with the right heart and with the right motive which was to glorify God and how would you do that by collecting the ransom by collecting the shekel then the consequences were going to be deadly what did he say there's a plague going to be coming upon you what kind of a plague one of the plagues that came upon the children of Egypt during the time when Moses was drawing them out so David would have none of it, and he did the thing in 2 Samuel 4, 24, 15, tells us what the results were. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel from the morning till the appointed time, from Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 men of the people died. This wouldn't be the first time that many people died at the decision of one or two people. It wouldn't be the first time, and it wouldn't be the last time. God had given out strict warnings. David did not have to do this. He was given the idea, prompted, it says, of the Lord. But we know that God doesn't prompt you to do something that isn't already in your heart. And if you just won't let it go, then he will let you. And he also had an occasion against the children of Israel. Somehow they needed to be corrected but these are disastrous results then there's repentance the plague is stopped and what we learn is according to uh, Philip Ryken the punishment for failing to pay the ransom price was severe any man who failed to make a contribution <coughs> was afflicted with one of the very plagues that God had sent Pharaoh a deadly disease Taking a census 
was a risky business. Doing it properly was a matter of life and death. Okay, so you see that this isn't just a couple of instructions of protocol, that there is spiritual application behind it. <clears throat> verse 15, if you go back to Exodus 30, verse 15. It says, the rich shall not give more, and the poor shall not give less than half a shekel when you give an offering to the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. So this, this shekel tax, this ransom, this atonement money is a flat rate tax that men of fighting age were voluntold to give. And in verse 16, it says, you shall take the atonement money of the children of Israel <coughs> and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of meeting. See, that's what the money is going to be used for, but it's not the reason it was collected. The reason is found in this last part of this verse, that it may be a memorial for the children of Israel before the Lord to make atonement for yourself. Now, if you're paying attention, you're, you probably notice a, a, a supposed contradiction. They're being told that they need to pay a ransom for themselves. They need to pay a shekel, fallen told donation, <coughs> to atone for themselves. But that doesn't atone for anything. Only blood can atone for a person's sin. What's it talking about here? Well, there's a version of scripture called the Names of God version. I just came across this during this week. And it renders verse 16 like this. Take the money the Israelites give to make peace with the Lord and use it to pay the expenses of the tent of meeting. It will be a reminder for the Israelites in Yahweh's presence that the sins in their lives are removed. It's a memorial tax. Memorial. Have you ever given to a memorial fund? Have you ever contributed perhaps to like the policeman's fund or some military fund? And when you contribute to that fund, you are identifying with that fund, aren't you? You're identifying with the values of that fund. You are honoring the memory of those who maybe lay down their lives for that institution. And so in your identification with it, you make a donation to it in memory of it. And that's what's happening here. It's not making atonement. It's memorializing atonement. It's not paying a ransom. It's memorializing a ransom. Well, what's that got to do with us? Turn to 1 Peter 1.18. 1 Peter 1.18. 1 Peter 1.18. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. For you know that God paid a, what's the word, guys? No one knows. Ransom. Thank you. To save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. So, there's been a ransom paid for you, the life of Christ, the precious blood of the Lamb. Now, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. And we see a little bit more clarification of what's going on here. It says, you were bought at a price. You were bought at a price. What was that price? Well, Peter told us it was the precious blood of Christ. 
you were bought at a price. Therefore, because you were bought at a price, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That's your half shekel, guys. Glorifying God in your body. That's the half shekel you're being voluntold to donate. Your name is called, cross the line, give your half shekel, then stand on the side with your Savior, ready, appreciative, eager, and committed. Because you know that you're of the age to be able to do warfare. And all of you guys, no matter what your age, are called to be involved in spiritual warfare. So, Pay your half shekel, stand at his side, be ready for what he calls you to do. This is how you powerfully represent the true God, the true and living God. Romans chapter 12, turn there please. You're very familiar with this verse, or you should be. We studied it in depth uh, several weeks ago. In Romans, Paul, before you get to chapter 12, you've got 11 chapters that come before it. It's funny how that works out that way. <clears throat> and he's taking those 11 chapters to inform believers, like you and me, that we were once in need of being ransomed and atoned for, and Jesus did that, and he did more. He justified us through faith with his work on the cross. We have peace with God through faith and through the work of Christ on the cross. We have new life in Christ. We were released from the law of sin and became alive to God. And now we have life in the Spirit as well. And we are heirs with Christ. And we have a future glory waiting for us. And then he says in verse 1 of chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, right? Whenever you see therefore, what do you do? You see what it's there for. For all of the above, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's the same thing as glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Notice that last phrase, reasonable service. I want to do a mashup here of different versions of the Bible and how they how they render that phrase, your reasonable service. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you cross the line, throw in the half shekel of your life. Well, that's my paraphrase, okay. By presenting your lives as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, your true and proper worship, the best thing you can do for him, the only logical and intelligent act of worship you can offer. Does that kind of clarify it for you? All right. We live in a broken world. I don't know whether you noticed that or not. We all know broken people. And God needs his power lifters. He needs his power priests. He needs his powerful representation among them. And what kind of people are used of him to represent him? And what kind of people are used of him to represent the people to him? A people of gratitude, a people committed and surrendered and happy to do so. A people who have taken the half shekel of their lives, deposited it, and stepped to the other side and reported for duty. C.S. Lewis said, it's not so much of our time and so much of our attention that God demands. It's not even all of our time and all of our attention. It's ourselves. It's ourselves. You've been bought with the price. Now serve God in your body. Glorify him. So if you are a half shekel, all in, you'll be a powerful influencer for God. You won't be an influencer on social media. You're not going to be selling cosmetics and new pair of jeans. 
you're going to be representing El Shaddai, the Most High God. The only one who can straighten things out in a person's life. And you will become a powerful intercessor with God for the people. All right, that's all I got. Is that enough? I mean, we, we went through a lot this morning, didn't we? Okay. And uh, so let's stand. We'll have a word of prayer, and we will finish with worship. And uh, next week we'll have our air conditioning fixed, okay? What's that? <laughs> Heavenly Father, um, you've been gracious to us. And, and this day there were a lot of things spoken and said. And, and I ask you to help us remember only those things that were of your spirit. I pray, Lord God, it would have a life-changing effect. You say it doesn't come back void, empty, useless. It accomplishes the purpose. Your word is rhema. It is life. It is power. It causes us to be transformed into the image of Christ, to be like Jesus. And certainly our hearts are grieved at the pain and suffering of so many in our world, even here in our church. Let us not be negligent of the privilege and the honor that we have to be your representatives. Let us not be negligent in our duties to be your representatives, but to do it in power by being a people of prayer, by being a people who are all in, by being a people who are seeking as much as possible to live a holy and pure life and to be anointed of your spirit. So bless these precious people, Father, and keep them and make your face shine on them and be gracious to them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Introduce you to a new son.